We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Chargers fans? Now that the regular season is upon us, I'd love to go back and look at the offseason just to see how General Manager Tom Telesco and Head Coach Brandon Staley worked together to build what is, in my opinion, the best roster that they could have put together without making any significant trades or without making any significant signings that would have capstrapped them for the future. Because both guys really do deserve credit for where the team is right now. And I do think that's a positive thing. I, I do think that they, they have put the team in a very positive position moving forward. Granted, it's not perfect, but I believe considering what they had to do to overhaul many different positions or entire um, sides of the football this offseason, I really think they did a really good job. So um, let's get into it. We're going to talk about free agency, all the way back at free agency. I know that seems forever ago, all the way to where we are right now. And I'm also going to share a story from a team source that was very interesting regarding roster moves. Uh, so let's get into it. So we'll start with the free agent moves. Uh, and the, the Chargers certainly went in a different route this year than I would have expected, particularly under Telesco, because in general, Telesco likes to keep his guys, right? And instead, they jettisoned off most every remaining draft pick of the pre-Staley era prior to 2018. And I'm sure next year, we're going to see a lot more of those, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020 picks maybe leave as well. And you know, moving on from those guys, it's a bit uncharacteristic for Telesco, who, again, likes to keep his guys. But again, this is a year with a new head coach and a new offense and, and almost everything being completely new. So you would expect more turnover. But to me, it's not the departures that are as interesting. I think it's really the additions that are more interesting when talking about who has influenced the roster more. Because, you know, Telesco has never been shy about bringing in offensive linemen in free agency. If he does anything for the offensive line, typically it has been in free agency. And he has spent good money there. Um, and he's always invested in the line, particularly when a new head coach comes in. But the difference this offseason, in my opinion, is just how much investment was in the offensive line. Because I don't really think there was a year pre-Staley where Telesco brought in someone like Corey Lindsley and Matt Filer and Ode Abuji. And then they also went further to improve the, the offensive line in the draft uh, with significant picks. And we'll get into the draft in a second. And I also think that while Telesco could have brought in a, a backup quarterback or signed a you know, veteran tight end, and he's done both of those things before. I just think that pointing them in the direction of team-specific players like Jerry Cook and Chase Daniel to help transition to an offense led by Joe Lombardi is very Staley-like, right? I don't remember the teams with Mike McCoy or Anthony Lynn really being, you know, having this direction and this cohesion and this real true 
integration and building of offenses under you know Mike McCoy or Anthony Lynn. Whereas with Staley, it really feels like everything has a purpose. Everything has some sort of relevance to their team, to the offense, to the knowledge flow, to the communication, whatever. Um, so early on, while I do think Telesco could have made any of these moves, I really think Staley amplified them in a way that's very team specific to really focus on these additions. And like he said in his press conference, you know, you need to know immediately why we brought these free agents in. And I really think every guy that they brought in so far, at least more the, the, the key mainstay guys, you know right away why they brought these guys in. And whereas before, it's like, well, what role is he going to be? Is he kind of this? Is he kind of that? Is he just a depth guy? Whereas I really, I really, really do think the key free agents they brought in this time had a truer purpose or a more clear purpose than I recall previous free agents under Tom Telesco. So I really think he focused on these additions to make them, you know, quality rather than uh, for quality for this specific team, rather than just pick up the best guys available, regardless of fit. The draft class is where I really think you get to see a nice harmony of Telesco and Staley with the draft philosophy of Telesco, but the players and the characteristics that Staley would want. And I think, you know, nowhere is that more apparent than with Rashawn Slater because Telesco has taken an offensive tackle before in the first round. Granted, it's been a very long time, but he did do that back in 2013. And of course, he also loves his draft fallers, right? And Slater shouldn't have been there, right? The Giants probably should have taken him, but they graded him as a guard. So they obviously didn't take him as their tackle. And then say the Panthers, they took a corner instead. And a couple of other, th- other things had to happen. But then looks later is there at 13 and they take him. So again, Telesco taking an offensive tackle in the first round and drafting a draft faller, say like a German James, it's not unheard of. But what's sort of unheard of really in the Telesco era, and also with offensive line assistant Sean Serrett, is they don't typically go after guys who meet or are under a certain height or arm length threshold, right? Some teams are just like that. They like their prototypical size guys. And typically for the Chargers, they go after guys that are, you know, a certain height, a certain arm length. But obviously, you know, things worked out and they drafted Slater. And I really think that's a, that's a Staley kind of influence because to him, and you can see it through other picks or other free agent acquisitions, don't really care too much about your, you know, your traits. I mean, he does care about the traits, but I'm not going to not draft you because you're, an inch shorter than another offensive lineman, or let's say you're a corner who is maybe a little bit shorter. If you can ball and if you're a good football player and there are enough traits there, either mentally or physically or a combination of both, where you can overcome some limitations, then we're going to take you because you're a good football player. And again, you know, I think the, the Telesco Staley philosophy also merged with the Santa Samuel Jr., right? Because as we know, Telesco likes his draft fallers. I really didn't think Samuel Jr. would be there just like Slater, but they were both there. So they took him. Um, but also, um, you know, he, Telesco really likes his defense in the second round. And then, of course, Daly finds his guy who can play man and who can tackle on defense. So, again, another really good philosophy, a really good mix and blend there. And we could talk about other guys on this list, but I think I want to jump to Nick Neiman as another guy that, that really worked out for both. Because I originally mocked Neiman to the Chargers in our final mock draft because he was that athletic linebacker who tested really well, who can play special teams. That's a guy that Tom Telesco's looked at before, whether that be your Drew Tranquil recently or a couple of years ago with Jatavis Brown. But he's also a high traits, sure tackler kind of guy. And I really think if you look at the defensive additions on this team, in general, being a good tackler was a key emphasis for Brandon Staley because that's important to special teams, of course, playing defense, but in particular special teams where some of these back end of the roster players are going to be mostly. And he's also a guy that can develop in coverage, which is what Staley wants. So 
in general, I think the draft was as close to a perfect unison as the two really could have gotten. Gotten. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But the real surprise came with the cuts to trim the roster to 53. And so I'll start with what I was told by a legitimate team source, or at least part of it, because I could go in a couple of different directions about some surprises, if you will. But uh, considering how many defensive tackles were projected to make or not make the roster, and you know, they're all fighting for a spot, and then suddenly the ones that we thought were going to make it were cut, and the guys that we thought were going to get cut ended up making it, at least initially, um, I think that had the most change and flux and surprise. So I'm going to go with that particular position group. And so the team source said that they were surprised to see the other defensive tackle, quote, leapfrogged the other defensive tackles, right? So that being your, your Cotes Broughton, Joe Gaziano, surprised to see them leapfrogged by backups who never took first team or barely any second team reps. And I'll paraphrase the rest of what they told me. It surprised the team because if they thought Merrill was a better fit, then fine. But they never showed that in the reps during camp. And I'll read that one more time, just all the way through. So the team source said that they were surprised to see the other defensive tackles, quote, leapfrogged by the backup who never took first team or barely second team reps. And again, the rest I'll paraphrase because it's kind of longer, but it surprised the team because if they thought Merrill was a better fit than fine, but they never showed that in the reps during training camp. Not that Merrill was better. I mean, like the defensive coaches never let Merrill take those first and second team reps during camp. So that's kind of an interesting thing, right? It, to me, if I'm a defensive coach and I want my best defensive guys, you know, I want my best defensive guys to get the most first or second team reps I can in camp and during the preseason. And that's what I would do where, you know, for example, Brandon Staley had John Brandon as a part of the first team, I think uh, preseason unit or maybe second team, but he obviously had a lot of snaps early on, but then he was phased out in the preseason, particularly that final preseason game because he wanted Campbell and Hall to show what they had. And they obviously initially at least made the team. Hall was cut, brought back on as of today. Um, but at least there's kind of some sense there, right? You want to get those guys the most reps as possible to see what they've got. If you don't, if you know another guy is just not for you, you phase him out, right? Whereas Merrill wasn't exactly doing that. He was not saying he didn't deserve the roster spot, but in terms of where he was playing in training camp and during the preseason, during training camp, he wasn't really working with the first team. Apparently he wasn't, wasn't working all that much with the second team. And in the preseason, he definitely wasn't the first team guy out there, which is technically the second team, but he wasn't the first guy out there. Typically it was Broughton and Fajoko or Gaziano and Fajoko. And so to see them be leapfrogged, as the, the quote said, 
by Forrest Merrill all of a sudden was definitely strange because, you know, why wouldn't, if they wanted to keep Merrill all along, and technically they didn't end up doing that, or at least not on the active roster, if they wanted to keep Merrill all along, why wouldn't Staley or the defensive coaches be playing Merrill over the other guys that they cut, right? I would, I would think that they want a really good look at this guy. Did they think that Merrill was going to be picked up over Brown or Fajoko? I don't really see why Merrill would have. So, you know, to me, it almost feels like the defensive coaches wanted one thing, but then someone else, potentially Telesco, went a different direction. And of course, you know, you got to talk about the lack of cuts at different spots. They really feel, they really do feel pro or uh, like a Telesco vibe, if you will, more Telesco than Staley, because, you know, keeping Kelly, Pipkins and Hill kind of looks more like a team that wants to hang on to its picks rather than hold on to them because they think they have some sort of value or further potential, you know? So and it all kind of smells weird to me, you know, because if they thought that there was someone better on the market and there are better players than Kelly Pipkins and Hill for their respective roles on the market, in my opinion, maybe not theirs, but in my opinion, I think there are. So, you know, we've seen them, and we'll talk about these two moves in a second. We've seen them cut a couple of guys in favor of guys on the market. So it's not like they're just holding on to their guys because they're only comfortable with their guys or because, you know, a COVID thing or something, whatever excuse you want to come up with. It really just feels like they're keeping Kelly, Pipkins, and Hill, and and to a certain extent, Easton Stick, because they want to hold on to those picks to prove something rather than upgrade the team, in my opinion. Because if you're particularly, with all three of those guys, actually, if you're an analytics-driven guy like Staley, there's no way you can look at Kelly's inefficiency or Pipkin's being dreadful as a pass protector or Hill being a, I mean, his, his quarterback rating when targeted this preseason was 12. <laughs> and I think he has like 18 yards despite playing the entire preseason. And he has um, one punt return, I think, for three yards that set up a safety. There's no way you can look at that as an analytics-driven coach and say, you know what, I'm going to keep those guys. There's nobody else better on the roster or about there on, on the waiver wire or in free agency or something, right? But they did. So to me, that feels very pro Telesco. Whereas I kind of feel like there was a good mix before, if not even being more Staley than Telesco. Now this one kind of felt like Telesco was, was kind of doing the last minute moves here rather than Staley. But then of course, <laughs> you go right back to the next day and Staley and his defensive coaching staff, they're reuniting with players that they were familiar with. And Eric Banks, the defensive tackle from the Rams, and then Trey Marshall, the defensive back from the Broncos, um, so Banks is a defensive tackle. And again, according to the team source, reportedly they were always going to go with a three tech defensive tackle, kind of that B gapper over your true nose tackle for the IDL five spot. So again, taking a guy like Banks who played primarily in the B gap in the preseason. I don't know much about him outside of that. Um, it's not a surprise that they went with a defensive tackle for IDL five. It's just a surprise that they didn't go with Brown. Um, but Hey, it is what it is. You know, the Staley is all about, finding guys that he's comfortable with a certain kind of guy that he's comfortable with. I don't know exactly where banks fits into that. I can't say I've watched any Eric banks film. I know Ryan diary from LAFB says the banks is a really solid player. The Rams just had a lot of depth on their roster and somebody had to get cut. So banks was cut and the Chargers brought him in. Um, so at the end of the day, Staley gets his guys. It's just, a, it's a very roundabout way of doing it. And were they right moves? I don't know. Were they the right moves? We'll see. So that's really the whole recap that I have so far. It's really cool to see, uh, to look at, you know, maybe who had more pull or push somewhere or how they work together to make these roster decisions. So my question to you is, you know, who do you think has the most influence over this roster? Is it Staley? Is it Telesco? Either way, I do think that you and I can agree 
that Staley does have more of a clear fingerprint on the construction of the roster than I remember from Mike McCoy and at least definitely with the Anthony Lynn era. You know, whereas before it just felt like, let's say Anthony Lynn wanted to be a strong rushing attack team, right? And that's, if that's your philosophy, have at it. But it never really felt like Telesco was setting up the offense to be a strong rushing attack team, right? Or if you want more, you know, blitzers, more tick, I don't know. It was just, it always felt like there was a disconnect between what Anthony Lim wanted and what Telesco wanted. And the teams never really, or the, the, the players and the philosophy never quite meshed all the way. Whereas I do feel like this Staley-Telesco marriage so far is actually working out the best so far, because I can point to many different examples of, okay, Telesco would do that, but Staley's guys, or this is Staley's kind of philosophy until Telesco helped him out. You know, if Staley wants a more offensive line, Telesco's like, okay, let's do it. And then Staley pushes even harder as they work together to do the best of what they do and what they're comfortable with to build the best roster possible. So let me know what you guys think of this question. And as always, bolt up.